standing ovation. Come on, let's give our God a standing ovation. Man, I want to speak something right from the get-go. Pastor announced that be- before church, a lady had to be take to, taken to urgent care and then to the emergency room. And then now during church, gentlemen's being taken to, uh, I believe, being taken to the emergency room or being taken care of. And I just want to speak right now, amen, that God's authority and God's anointing and God's healing is in this place. Amen. I believe God's going to touch somebody. I believe God's going to heal somebody's body. I believe God's going to touch somebody in this room today in Jesus' name. This past week, my family and I took a few days, went out of town, visited family in the Fort Worth area, and uh, stayed with them for a couple days and went for a ho- to a hotel for a couple days. Our daughter's homeschool, and they worked real hard and, and doubled up for a few weeks and finished early. And, um, and so we went out of town for a few days and, um, and that was, we got home on Thursday night on, on Tuesday night, my little five-year-old son, right before we were eating, my five-year-old son started complaining of his stomach hurting. We just thought maybe had a little stomach virus or, or something going on. And, and he started complaining and within a matter of 30 minutes to an hour, he, he, his legs were doubled up. He wouldn't leave the chair in the lobby where he was sitting. And he, he, he looked pale and, and his droopy eyed and, and I'm not feeling good, mommy, and wouldn't straighten his legs up. And we've had one that had appendicitis and, and so we knew where to ask and, and he was hurting so bad. And so from a little family vacation, we took him, carried him to the room, we prayed and then said, well, we need to go to the ER and get checked. Um, but I called a friend just before we left the hotel and, and I said, man, I said, I, I don't try to make everything spiritual. I said, but it's been a couple of days where I've just felt so much turbulence in the spirit atmosphere. Something's going on. Would you pray for us? And we drove to that hospital and, and, and I think his name ba- Baylor medical center or something just drove to that hospital and was literally right in front of the sliding doors of the emergency room. And on the last couple minutes of driving there, a little boy kind of got dozy for a little bit. And my wife was saying, come on, we're here. We got to get up. And, and when he, when he kind of, I'm literally, he didn't doze, but for maybe two minutes. And when she said, are you, is your tummy still hurting? No mommy. And after an hour to an hour and a half of curled up, hurting right here, all of that, whatever was going on, he took off running on the sidewalk and wanted my, my daughters to play with him. And, 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 and I called my friend back and I said, let me tell you what just happened. He said, let me tell you how I prayed. He said, devil, you coming against my friends right now? He said, you got to back up. He said, Jesus, they're on the way to the emergency right now, to the emergency room. I'm asking you to intervene. I'm asking you to touch that little boy before they get to the emergency room. He said, Greg, God just answered your prayer. Watch closely. Amen. He never had another symptom. I'm here telling somebody, amen, God's power is very real. Hallelujah. God's anointing is very real. Amen. He was ready to eat and play and run and chase all at the same time. Amen. And, and I believe God's same power 
is in this room today. I want to thank you. Even today, walking in the lobby, so many of you said, Brother Greg, we've prayed so much for you. We've prayed so much for you, and, and I'm very humbled by that, and yet very, very grateful. It did scare me a few weeks ago when I realized the news may get out that I'm feeling better, and if everybody that's praying for me stops on the same day, I might just, I don't know what, but, uh, but, uh, but thanks for the prayers. Seven months without an income, the body of Christ has been unbelievable. Loving on our family, supporting us, blessing us, and, and praying. And so I just I want to take the time to say you're my family. And I've been privileged to travel some the last few months. And every church, you're my family, the body of Christ. And, and we love and appreciate you all so much. Thanks for the honor of being here today. I love how God has just woven this service together. Amen, brother. Bruce Anderson, so good to see you today. Appreciated our, our talk a few weeks ago. Amen. And all of, all of you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I'm going to share. I believe God's going to minister in this house. As, I, as I'm going there, um, or as you're going there, it, did we get the picture of my family? Did that, did that make it? All right. I want you to see my family. This was uh, Mother's Day. I wasn't preaching out on Mother's Day, and so I stayed home and went to POA. There's my creed with a bruise right on the middle of his noggin from falling down the night before, playing chase with the, the girl in Peach. But that's my creed, Eden in the Peach and Emery in the back, and then Jamie and I just wanted you to see my family. Thank you for continuing to pray for us and lift us up before the Lord. Can I, can I be uh, selfish for just a minute? I have a prayer request. I pray about I, I pray about everything, and I got some awesome vehicle stories where God put a vehicle in my life. I got a, I'm living in a house that I call the God house because God just put it in our lap after months of seeking Him and working through stuff, and then just I mean, if I told you the story, it's just it just I mean, it was it's amazing. Our finances wasn't quite lined up, and and we're renting, but we're believing we're going to get to buy it. But but I, last few weeks, I'm needing a, a vehicle to travel. And 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 uh, for our some of our family needs, we have one, but I'm needing a second one. And I just been digging and looking, and and one day I think I got what I like, and then the next day it's something else. And I just I like something three or four years old, low miles, good condition. Would you pray? I don't need five. I just need one. <laughs> Amen. So I'm just asking God, would you just just when you pray for Greg, say God put the exact vehicle in His path. Let it work out. I've had, I've had stories. I'm not going to tell you all the stories, but God is a provider, and he takes care of us. Amen. Revelation 12, verse 11, the Bible says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. This is how we overcome the enemy. Number one, by the blood of the lamb. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ in your life? Hallelujah. And then they also overcame him by the word of their testimony. Somebody say their testimony. Their testimony. The testimony belonged to them. God did all the work, but they got to talk about it. God had all the power, but it was their story. It was their testimony, and it was their privilege to share what God had done and I'm going to take a little while this morning and, and and some of you may have heard parts of this I know it 
got a little around on the internet some, and, and I'm grateful. I'm glad that a lot of people are hearing what God's done in my life. I'm going to keep talking about it. Amen. It's my story, and I'm not shutting up anytime soon. Hallelujah. So I want to speak today on the subject, my story is for his glory. Amen. My story is for his glory. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. Let's pray together before we're seated. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray your anointing that's been in this house all service long. We pray your power, your presence, your virtue, your strength. Amen. Let your love come. Let your power come. Let healing come in this house today. In Jesus' name, let hell be pushed back. Let life and light come. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may. I want to thank my background musicians. <laughs> God said, y'all need one more song. <laughs> At least it's not truckers driving by on the interstate and they're... they're, they're <laughs> They're walkie-talkie conversations. Y'all ever had that happen at a church service? Uh, amen. And then those, those people that have the, like a, a quacking duck cell phone ring, and they're the ones that forget to turn it off during church, you know? And then they act like they can't find their phone. You know? Or they act surprised, you know, all that. I was preaching one time and my phone ding. And I'm like, oh, man, come on, I forgot to turn it off. Praise God. I, do wanna, I did want to say to the praise singers, um, thanks for leading us into the presence of the Lord. And um, I told you, Pastor, I said, if Sister Erica preaches too much more like that, they might not want you to preach every Sunday. <laughs> thanks for leading us in the presence of the Lord. And, and, uh, and then I noticed, I, I just, I observe sometimes, but I noticed all the musicians either had a seat or they could lean up on the, against the wall. But the praise singers for 45 minutes or so, they didn't have a stool or a seat or a wall to lean on, and they just stood there and, and kept, thanks for standing and leading us in the presence of the Lord. I'm not picking on the musicians. Y'all got to lean back a little bit. But the praise team stood up. After a very busy summer last year, things finally settled down at the end of July. It was a very, very busy summer. My family, my daughter's Bible quiz, I'm involved in Louisiana youth camps, and uh, I was in, a, in the middle of state Bible quizzing finals on two different weekends. My daughters were in different age brackets, and then working at two camps, and then in the week between youth camps and camp meeting, we moved, uh, a 20-minute move, but within town, and we moved, and then had camp meeting, and uh, in the middle of all that, I was preaching a six-week revival on Sundays and Mondays, speaking three or four times on Sunday and Monday night, driving home. And my mother passed away uh, the couple weeks after camp meeting and then went to national Bible quizzing tournaments. And when I'm telling you a busy summer, it was a, a nonstop busy summer. And then we came home at the end of July and into August and was was kind of settling in the house we had moved into in June, and, and uh, I was involved in another six-week revival that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night 
but it was less than two hours away. And to evangelists, that's just a hop, skip, and jump. So I was sleeping in my own bed, uh, except on Saturday nights, and, and able to be around the house some. And, and the, the yard where we live is right at an acre, and it had a lot of, has a lot of mature shrubs, bushes, been there for years. And, and it also has more vines and, and weeds that were growing up, than, I think, than the shrubs and bushes. And the vines were overtaken. And, and so I, I was enjoying getting out in the yard and, and just, just working. And I had a pile probably about as big as this platform up by the street. The city comes and picks it up every once in a while. So I, I had me a tarp, and I would put, put all the stuff I'd clip and cut down, and I'd drag it up front. And, and, and I was just doing that over several days. And, and my favorite time to work in that Louisiana humidity, heat, summer, was like the last hour of daylight and then the first hour of darkness. You're telling yourself it's going to be a few degrees cooler. It's not. <laughs> still 102, it feels like. You're still sweating. But that's when I like to be out in the yard. And I, I noticed one day, I had, I had gotten most of it done, and, but I noticed when I was pulling one pile on that tarp and put limbs and branches and all that. And I was pulling it up towards the front. I'm like, man, my legs are hurting. My back is hurting. And, and uh, man, I just, just must be old and out of shape. But I don't remember it hurting like this last week. And, and uh, so I did a little achy. And then I went for the weekend that was to be the last Sunday of that revival. And I preached that morning and preached that night. But I just wasn't feeling good. So after church, they knew I wasn't feeling good, and they offered for me to spend the night. And I, I was like, no, I, I better get home. So I, I made it home and did not um, get out of bed the rest of the week. I, I woke up on Monday just aching all over. Tuesday, Wednesday, didn't have fever yet, wasn't sick, like nauseated yet, but just aching, hurting all over. And my wife brought me to the emergency room and they couldn't pick up anything and so they just gave us a couple of different pain meds or whatever and sent us home and said he just got something going on and go tough it out and and on friday my wife walked in the room and this was the friday before labor day was on monday so you at the end of august and um my, my wife walked in the room and i was pretty much out of my mind i was on the floor my fever was 106 and uh, she said, we're going back to the ER. And her and my daughter somehow got me to the vehicle, to the ER, and admitted to the hospital. And to be honest, I don't remember too much about those three or four days because I was, I was mostly out of my mind. It was, I describe it as kind of I knew what was going on in the room, but it would be like looking through a 10-foot pipe, like I was looking through a tunnel. I could see and know stuff was happening, but, but I wasn't fully connected but in that time I um I I could talk to the Lord and I I remember a sensation and a, and a prayer and a feeling that came over me on one of those very scary days and, and flat on my back and and they were running antibiotics through my body four through the IV and one antiviral med and they were saying you know, maybe meningitis of this sort or encephalitis. And they just didn't know. They, no, no test was coming back 
um, positive. And, and so they said, we're going to give every medicine we have at this guy and, and hope one of them works. And on one of those days, I remember how helpless I felt. And I don't believe I prayed out loud at this time, but I just remember telling God, I can't make it without you. I, there's no way I can make it without you. If I've ever felt powerless, I felt powerless. I, I, I had such a strong need of Jesus. And somewhere in that foggy condition, God spoke to me or impressed something on me. And it came to me so strong in this manner, just hit me in my mind. There will never, ever be a day when I need Jesus less than I need him right now. I've never felt more helpless. And I was telling him how much I needed him just to even have a chance to make it. And it hit me that strong. I will never need him less than I need him right now on my best day. If I get out of this bed and live on my best day, I will need him the same amount as I need him on this, my, one of my worst days, on my strongest day. Amen. I will need him just as much as I need him on that weak day, on the day my bank account has a surplus. On the day, it didn't happen often, but I remember I hit three home runs and four pitches at a softball tournament one time, and it was only only four pitches because the first pitch of one of the at-bats was bad, too bad to hit, amen. But the second pitch, I on the day I hit three home runs on four pitches, I need him just as much. I needed him just as much on that day as I need on the day that I'm laying flat on my back praying to live, amen. And, and I've asked God, and I've asked him many times since, God, never let me forget how much I need you. I don't want to be like the children of Israel in the Old Testament that when things were going bad, they needed God. But when things started going good, they brought in idols and they forgot God and they got, oh, no, 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 no. I want to remember every day of my life. Hallelujah. Every day of my life, I need thee. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Every hour, I need him. We need him. We can't make it without his grace. I used to think of the terms mercy and grace. I used to think of those terms as mostly for salvation. We need God's mercy, getting sin forgiveness and, and, and grace. But I've come to, to understand that I just simply need his mercy and his grace every day that I live. I can't make it without Jesus. God gave me a song. On the Monday that I was in bed and, and the sickness starting to go to a, that, that level of not getting out of bed or leaving the room. And, and I looked it up on my phone and, and I kept it by my pillow. And over those sick days in that first month, it became my anthem and it became an anchor. And, and it was a song that a, a man named Clint Brown wrote on one of his worship songs. And then the Crab family redid it and it was called If Not For Grace. Where would I be? He only knows. I'm glad he sees through eyes of love a hopeless case, an empty place, if not for grace. Hallelujah. This isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to stay here for a moment right now. I need his mercy and his grace every day of my life. I'll never forget preaching a revival at a church in Louisiana, and a lady came to the front, and her face 
showed her her soul and her heart that was hurting so bad. Amen. And she she said, I fell in sin. And, and, and she had. She had made a huge mistake. And her family was broken up. And her, her life was torn apart. But standing there that day, she, she said, I want to thank God. She said, I'm learning to lean on his mercy and on his grace. She said, an elder told me his mercy means that I don't get what I deserve. But his grace means I get what I don't deserve. Amen. Somebody think about that for a moment. His mercy means I don't get the judgment. I don't get anything that I deserve from my life. But his grace means I get the Holy Ghost. I, I get power from the throne room. I need his mercy and his grace every day of my life. Could we give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So after several days and still no diagnosis, my body raging with sickness in the hospital, all the medicines in my body through the IV, my, my wife was at her wit's end. I remember vaguely her being on the phone with our pastor considering transferring me to a larger city maybe a larger a hospital known for specializing in infectious diseases, considering a Dallas or a Houston or a New Orleans and just the things you do when you're at your wit's end in a smaller city and smaller hospital. And on that night of desperation, and, and it's kind of some parts are humorous when you look back. I th I, I'm, I'm one that believes sometimes you got to look back at serious times and find stuff to laugh about. But on that Labor Day weekend, I think everybody in Alexandria was on vacation that was a doctor. Um, and, and so we had a physician's assistant trying to figure all this out. And, and my wife was at her wits end, but this lady was trying to be the hero, I guess, and get the diagnosis. And every time that woman came in the door, she, she had a different diagnosis that she thought it was. And, uh, my wife wouldn't think that was funny. She still wouldn't think it was funny. It was, it was bugging her, but, but it, she was at her wits end. But my aunt and my wife, and they said, I prayed with them. But in that hospital room, they decided we can talk to our pastor, and we love our pastors. And we can talk to our friends, and we can talk to mentors. But we got to have an old-fashioned talk with Jesus. That We can talk to our doctors. We can talk to medical staff. But sometimes you got to say, God, i got to go to a place that's beyond any human being. And they said they talked to God, and my wife made a statement that became a common phrase. Amen. Throughout my hospital stays over the next three months. But she said it was as if Jesus himself came in that room. I want somebody to have hope today. It's not just me. Has anybody in this room, you can raise your hand and say, I've been in a situation where I had to have something from God, and it was as if Jesus himself. Anybody in this room, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. It wasn't a doctor. It wasn't something. It was the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. God's presence came in that room. And my wife Amen. The peace came on her that said it's going to be all right. She, she didn't worry about transferring me after that. She just had a peace from God that things were going to be okay. It was shortly after that that a, a leading neurologist stepped into the scene. I think he had maybe already stepped into the scene that day. And to diagnose West Nile virus, it requires a, a, a culture from your spinal fluid, which requires a, a spinal tap. 
And, and so it took several days to get that report back. But after the peace came, in the next day or two, the diagnosis came that I, I had West Nile virus. One gets West Nile virus from a mosquito, a mosquito who has bitten a bird. A bird is a carrier of the West Nile virus. And then that mosquito bites you. And I will tell you, on those days that I was working out in the yard at dark, I'd, I should have known it, but I didn't realize that, that dawn and dusk is a mosquito's favorite time to come out. And here I am on all fours under azalea bushes, pulling up vines and clipping stuff. And, and, and I, 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 I guess I, I obviously had an encounter with, with a, an infected mosquito. In Louisiana, though, they don't look like mosquitoes. They look more like hummingbirds. Eighty percent of people who get West Nile virus have zero symptoms because their immune system fights it off, no reaction at all. Nineteen percent get really sick but just think it's a fever or a flu, and their immune system fights it off. Do the math, 80 and 19, that's 99 percent, come through with little issue. But one percent get really really sick, experience severe illness with neurological damage, and it is in that 1% that deaths occur, and they're very real. A man in our community passed away just a month before me from the West Nile virus, so it was very real. The threat of long-term damage and, and death was, was so real. Now, I want to tell you about how the West Nile virus acted in, in my body, You've had a fever that's bad, but when it breaks, it's gone. When it broke, it was gone. And they had told my wife, and they tried to use layman's terms, but they said it's the, the West Nile virus is like in your spinal fluid or wherever in your body, and, and it's frenetic. They said it's just, it just hits everybody some ways the same, but this one may have their right side damaged, this one this, this one, mine was my right side. But they told her if it breaks one way, it, it's bad. But we need to pray that it breaks and leaves his body. And, and so that's what happened, and I give God glory for that. And I give God thanksgiving that even though it hit me hard, when it left, it was gone. See you later. Bye. Don't want to ever see you again. Now, I do wish I had set up some kind of account for friends of mine that buy the product called Off. Like if I set up an account that I just get a percentage back. I'd be in good shape right now, man, because I got some friends. They won't go out in their yard without spraying a whole bottle on them. But when it left, it left. It wasn't a stroke, but it hit my body like a stroke. My right side, we found out later, my right lung was paralyzed. My right arm, my right leg, very, very weak. But even just two days after it left, they could help me sit up in the bed and help me stand up, and I could take a couple steps on the walker and after a few days, sent me to the rehab hospital. I was there a few weeks and, and was able to go home. And, and with help from my wife getting up, I could then walk on my own some. And, and I, I was able to sit at the table and, and eat. And, and, and I, could, I might drop a few things with my right hand, but I was, I was able to function. And then... 
we were so excited. It was going to be my first time to go back to church. But I remember the day before I was going back to church, I would ask my, my kids. I started having to say, hey, come pull. Daddy needs help getting out of this chair. And, and I had only needed help getting out of bed, but in a chair I could make myself get up. Daddy needs an assist. Come help. I thought I was just having a tired day. The next day, my first day to go to church, my wife helped me get dressed and had a wheelchair, and we made it to church. And everybody was so excited, and I was. I wept the whole service. But three times I tried to stand, and I couldn't get my body to even lift from the wheelchair. A pain, nerve pain in my legs and, and in my arms, and went home to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and on Wednesday, she was having to pick me up, slide me to the wheelchair. Otherwise, I was bedridden. Tried to go to physical therapy like, I'm going to tough this out. Man, I'm having a week, few days. And the therapist was like, oh, no, this is more than just a week, day or two. You got to get checked out again. So it was scary. My, my eyes, I started having blurry and double vision. Started being sensitive to noise, sensitive to sight, all, all, a bunch of different symptoms were happening and so back to the ER and a man named brother Roger from our church carried me to therapy sessions and and was a blessing and he told my wife he said ER can be a long day he said let me sit with Greg he said I know you've got things to do today and so she came like twice and stayed and then she was taking care of kids and this and that and so it turned into six hours and the doctor, the first ER doctor, and I'm not going to be too terribly long today, but I am going to be long enough. I meant to tell you earlier, don't worry about being on time for dinner. I'm going to preach so long that you'll be after the crowd leaves. And, uh, but it'll be before supper time. Is that a fair deal? I'm going to get you in the gap. So, um, but I, I, I've learned West Nile and, and then Guillaume Beret, the second issue that I had, was so rare that, that most of the doctors aren't familiar with it. And so the ER doctor was going to send me home. He said, basically, he said, West Niles, just, West Niles hit you hard. We're going to send you home. Well, my wife was there at that particular moment when he said, oh, it's, it, he's, just, he's just a little bit weak. It's hitting really hard, and y'all just go back home. I, I would like to tell y'all. It's the most anointed I've ever seen my wife, and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. I don't believe the Spirit of God was in that room at that moment. They brought a second doctor in. Thank God for wives that have our back, right? Amen. And uh, they brought a second doctor in, and he was very honest. He said, I see no benefit to admitting you. He said, we don't, we don't have answers for what's happening. He said, but let me consider it. And so we talked through it one more time, and he said, let me consider it. And he left. And so I'm in the ER. Brother Roger's sitting with me. My wife has slipped away at this point. And so it's just me and Brother Roger and wondering what's going to happen. And a lady walks in, and she stands at the door, and she has a packet in her hand. And my nurse is doing something in the room. And, and I notice this lady just stands there. And then she waits for the nurse to back off a minute, and she just kind of laid it on my chest. She said, here's your admission packet. She said, the doctor has decided to admit you, and they're going to run further tests to see 
uh, if they can find out more what's going on. So Brother Roger and I looked at each other, kind of did a little, hey, yeah, cool, and 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 because that's a victory. I mean, you gotta you gotta receive small victories when you're in a in a big journey. Sometimes, like, thank you, Jesus, and uh, and I noticed when that lady that gave me the packet left. I noticed she stopped at the door and she kind of stood there a minute and then she looked back and then she walked out and I'm like, that's kind of weird, you know, but 20 minutes later, that same lady stepped back in the door and, and, and she did this. She stepped in the door. I'm in the bed right here and she, the door was right here. She stepped in the door and she looked right and left and she said, now that your nurse is not here, I can tell you what I'm supposed to tell you. And she walked straight to my bed, and there was a little stool right here. And she sat down, and I'm going to promise you, folks, when she said that, I ha she had my full attention. I'm like, what is this woman about to tell me? Amen. And she looked me in the eyes, and she said, the reason you're going through what you're going through is because of your calling and your anointing. And I want to tell somebody in that moment, I knew, hell, you're not in control. Amen. My God may not have done this to me, but he's going to use it for his glory. And he's going to allow the calling of God. And he's going to allow the glory of God. Come on, that's it. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I knew in that instant. If the reason I was going through was because of my calling and my anointing, hallelujah, I knew God's going to use this. God's going to touch lives. God's going to do something in me. It may not be fun at the moment, but he's going to work it out for his good. He's going to use it for his kingdom. He's going to use it for his glory. Hallelujah. I got to tell somebody. Amen. Just, just let me let me just say something for a moment. God may not fix everything in our life immediately, but if we'll keep serving him and trusting him, he does work all things together for good. Hallelujah. He does. Hallelujah. So I knew in that moment, hell, you're not in control. My God is in control. Hallelujah. I knew in that moment that God was the author. I knew that God was the designer. I knew that God, amen, now please understand, God may not have done this. I don't know how all that works, but I, I just happen to believe. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a, and the righteous into it and are. Now, I don't just run into it once a year. I, I have this belief. I live inside that tower. I live inside the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible tells me I have a shield of faith. I don't just grab it once a year. I, I believe that shield of faith is around me every day of my life. So if something gets to me, it had to get through God's tower to get to me. It had to get through the shield to get to me. So if it got to me, in some way, God has allowed it. So that lets me know, hell, if you could kill me, I'd have been dead a long time ago. God is on the throne. God is in charge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in talking to the devil too much or talking to hell too much, but every once in a while you just need to say, hell, get your hands off. Devil, you just need to back down. Just, just shut up. I know we, we ain't supposed to say that word in our family. I got small kids, but, but shut up. Back up. God. I love, I love Hebrews 12 too. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and what? The author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and what? And I, I, I used to read a guy named, is this a very spiritual moment in this service, but this guy's name was Louis Lamar. I believe he's, yeah, he's an elder, man of God. When I was in high school, college age, I loved reading, I loved reading Louis Lamar books. Probably read all of them. And, and and when I got a little older, I looked back, I realized it didn't matter. You know, there was there was going to be a protagonist and antagonist, and there's going to be the good guys and the bad guys. And the issue may be cattle, the issue may be land, the issue may be water, the issue may, well, whatever it was, it's kind of the same story, just told a hundred different ways. But he did it good. Maybe you want to read every one of them. And in almost every book, towards the middle of that last chapter, hear me out. This is revelation right here from the Lord. But in that last half of that last chapter, the good guy had a hole in his canteen, bullet holes, had about five drops of water left, had one or two bullets left, and had 15 of the bad guys surrounding him. Right? Am I telling the truth? Any of y'all ever, ever got anointed and read a little Louie? Now, if you were watching this story live and you would see that, you would say, there's no way. I mean, I remember being a kid. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> the good guy's going to die this time. There's no way if you just saw the circumstances. Can I tell somebody? All the devil is is a reporter. Hear me out. He's not the author. He's a reporter. And I don't mean to demean anybody who may be a reporter, but a reporter is different than an author. All a reporter can do is report what he sees or report what he has researched. Somebody hear me. I'm preaching right now. Amen. What he sees is present tense. What he has researched is past tense. That's all the devil can do. If the devil starts talking about future, all he's doing is speculating. Amen. All he's doing is guessing because he's a reporter. I feel Holy Ghost in this house right now. That's all the devil can do. He can talk about your present, and he can talk about your past, and he can dig up a bunch of stuff, but he doesn't have permission to talk about the future. If he does, he's lying because he's the father of lies. But the Bible said Jesus is the author and Hallelujah. When Louis is sitting at his typewriter, he may have the hero down in the middle of that last chapter. Amen. And he's got him surrounded by 10 or 12 bad guys. And he's only down to two bullets and four drops of water. But Louis knows right over that hill is five seconds. Right over that hill, amen, they're all coming. And it all happens in the last few pages. Why? Because the author, somebody hear me, the author has the end in mind. The author has permission to talk about your past present but he also has permission to write your future <laughs> hallelujah so I tell somebody put your future in God's hands I, I give you the pen you're the author you're the finisher 
So when found out later her name was Rhonda, Rhonda said that first statement, I started tearing up, felt the presence of God. Her next words, and I understand I'm laid in the bed, and she's sitting on that stool looking over that top rail, just, just preaching. She said, for the next little while, you must not look through your natural eyes only, but you're going to have to look through the eyes of the Spirit. You're going to look through the eyes of faith. Whatever's going on is temporary, and know that you're going to come through this. The Holy Ghost was so real. My tears were just shooting out the sides of my eyes. And I asked her in a loud voice, and I may have even tried to reach my hand. My hands would move a little bit laterally. I may have tried to reach my hand and touch her shoulder because I said, are you an angel? She said, no, but I've got a word for you. One day, when you're preaching again, touches me every time I tell it. One day when you're preaching again and you're walking back and forth across that platform, I guess if God could tell her I was a preacher, he could tell her I like to walk when I preach, huh? Hey, man, <laughs> when you're walking back and forth across the platform, you will tell the people of all that God has done for you. And God's anointing and power is going to touch many lives. So I'm standing before you. I was able to take the step with my right leg. I can't do it yet with my left. I mean, my left leg, not with my right. Amen. But I was able to even make the step up on the platform today, and I'm able to be walking back and forth. After months in a wheelchair and a walker, a roller, and all that stuff, amen, I'm able to drive again the last few weeks because God, healing power is working in my body. Hallelujah. So, Hallelujah. So, Miss Rhonda and Holy Ghost, here I am on a Sunday morning, walking back and forth across the platform, preaching again, telling somebody your God is able, telling somebody you serve a mighty God. He's able to heal. He's able to transform. He's able to impart anointing into your Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then she had one more thing to say, one more word. And I don't believe she spoke it as much as she preached it. In other words, it wasn't just talking, it was preaching. But she said, you hear me. Your story is for his glory. Your story is for his glory. I looked at Brother Roger, his eyes were full of tears. Holy Ghost is in that room so strong. And I said, honey, that'll preach right now. <laughs> and I said, you just gave me a title. For whenever I am preaching again, you gave me my title. My story is for his glory. But I'm here today. And there's more I can say and maybe I can share more at another time. But I'm just feeling God wants to work in this room. So I'm feeling like I'm sent to somebody in this room like Rhonda was sent to me. God used a lady I'd never met before, never seen her in my life before. Found out later her brother ministers in some type of spirit-filled church in Detroit or somewhere like that. And she married a guy and moved to Louisiana and, and, and we, we've connected a little bit via text. But a lady that I'd never met before walked in that room 
and said, God hadn't forgotten you. Not, not in those exact words, but God hadn't forgotten you. God's using this for his glory. Amen. And God's power is going to work in this. You got to look through the eyes of faith. You got to keep trusting God. Hallelujah. So I, I'm here today telling you some of my story. But I want to change that slide if I can at this time. And I want to say your story. It ain't just me. It's not just me. But I'm here today. As real as Rhonda looking in that room saying, now that your nurse is not here, I got something I got to tell you. I feel like the Holy Ghost sent me. I feel like the Holy Ghost. I, I got pages. I got a bunch of other stuff. I, I barely even, I, I'm not even to the second and third diagnosis yet. God's done a, a bunch of amazing things. Let me tell you how much he cares. My second diagnosis was something called Guillain-Barre. I'd never heard of it. Took me two weeks to learn how to say it. G-U-I-L-L-I-A-N. That looks like Gillian to me, but they call it Guillain or something. But Brother Martin Bustard came to pray over me. And when he went to pray for me, he said, the spirit leads me. He said, I normally pray for somebody. And I lay hands on their head and pray that God will touch them from head to toe. He said, but the Spirit leads me to move to your feet and pray that God will heal you from toe to head. And he did. And he prayed over me from toe to head. And I asked him, Brother Buster, do you know why you prayed that way? No, I just obeyed the Lord. You go home and look up Guillain-Barre symptoms, Mayo website, different websites. You know what Guillain-Barre does? It's numbness and weakness that starts in your feet and works up to your upper extremities and works into your arms and then can work into your organs. A man who had no idea what my sickness was, that's exactly what it did to me. My legs started hurting and weird nerve pain and getting weak. And then after a few days, I could, couldn't feed myself anymore. My arms started getting weak. The, the nerve sense. We're, we're, we're messing up. God sent a man to tell me, amen, to pray over me from toe to head because that was the sickness that was in my body. Don't let the devil tell you God doesn't hear. Don't let the devil tell you that God doesn't care. Don't let the devil tell you that God doesn't know or understand. God allowed that happen in my life for me to stand before you and tell you God sees, God hears, God knows what you're walking through. God knows what you're going through, and he's able to take care. Would you stand with me across this room? Your story. Your story. Your story is for his glory. I can't answer why you're walking through everything you're walking through. I can't answer why healing doesn't always come immediate. Have I had them in my life? Absolutely, Brother O'Connell. I've had immediate healings. But this one wasn't an immediate healing. This one was layer, another need, another layer, another crisis, another layer. And now when I look back, it's one miracle, but God did it in layers. And I'm talking to some people in this room. I, I pray God does some instant miracles in this room. But I'm also talking to some people. You're going to look back and go, shoo, shoo, shoo. 
Look what God did for me. Kenneth, turn around and pray for your brother right now. There's anointing on him right now. Hell, you're not in control of this story. <laughs> Hell, you're just a you're just a reporter. Folks, there's ministry in this room that is so powerful right now. There's ministry in this room that is so strong right now. It's not just Greg Albritton's story. I need a couple men to come and just put your hand on our brother's shoulder right now. Brother Bruce Anderson, would you come right now? I need a couple men to come and put hands on Brother Bruce's shoulder. He's got a physical condition he's been walking through. I need a couple men to come and just lay hands in faith right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Your story is for God's glory. Brother Greg, you don't understand. It's ugly. You don't understand. It's so painful. You don't understand what it is I've walked through. I don't. And I don't have all the answers for why. But I have I have a word for you. God's going to use it for his calling on your life. God's going to use it for a greater level of anointing. God's going to use it for healing in your life. God's going to use it to minister to others. There's a power from the throne room in this house right now. There's power from the throne room in this house right now. Hallelujah. Bless you, elder. Come on. That's it. Come on. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Feel free. Amen. Brother Bruce, y'all come lay hands on this elder right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let healing oil come. Let strength come from the throne of heaven right now. Let healing come from head to toe. I believe in instant miracles. I believe in layer miracles. Your story. Your story. Your story. Your story. That's it.